Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Hmm. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. I always want to go, what we're talking about when we talk about faith. I know, it sounds impressive. Like, what are we talking about when we talk about faith? Like, I always, I always want to do something we, with that moment. We get to find out <laughs> every week. You find out as we do, folks. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. We were just chatting about um, how, whether we like it or not, uh, mm. Advent is almost here. Yeah, the first season of the Christian calendar. Yes, that's right. I always that always catches me off guard. I know. So I'm like, is it Advent? Is it Easter? Like, what's happening? Yeah, I should know this. I don't. It's the start. It's Advent. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how does Advent start normally? Um. So the great thing about Advent is that it's this four-week prelude to Christmas, mm-hmm. and it's it's like, whoa, holding us back, right? <laughs> Not, you know, hold on, don't celebrate quite yet, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of gearing us up. And one of the lovely things about Advent uh, as a season is that it's associated with the color blue, as in mm-hmm. hope. Hope. And I like to think this year especially that blue is a great color to keep in mind because we're entering the winter season. Mm-hmm. Rightly so, people are a little concerned about doing that, right? Because sure. we're still we're still faced by challenges related to COVID nineteen. Um, I think morale seems to be going through a better phase right now. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, the winter months can be a challenge in our part of the world, and so a good thing to think about hope and Advent is also this time of year when we get to think about new beginnings, mm. which can be sometimes welcome and sometimes disruptive, <laughs> depending on what's going on with your life. Right. So if you think you've got some nice order in your life and all of a sudden someone says, you know what, we're going to shake that up a little bit and create something new. <laughs> that's not always welcome. I've always liked the phrase, uh, <laughs> you plan, God laughs. Yeah, there you go. Like that feels <laughs> accurate Yeah. yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. Um so I guess what we get to figure out in Advent is, you know, what is God actually planning, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, because yes, we do have our plans and then other things happen, mm-hmm. but uh, Advent is a season that suggests that God is always planning and planning to start new things in the world, which start in incredibly small ways. Mm. And I think that's part of the message of Christmas is that the baby Jesus was born in the middle, you know, in the midst of a time of the Roman Empire, about as tiny and insignificant a creature right. as there could possibly be given the Roman Empire right. and its values, strength and honor. And uh, nevertheless, through that one child came more than just a little new beginning, but a whole new era. Well, and Bethlehem was a fa- fairly sort of country out of the way village mm-hmm. right this wasn't like back country back country if you will <laughs> if you know you know back back country <laughs> <laughs> Can I just, it always cracks me up that greenwich has this term back country yeah. and if you've been up here it is really anything but <laughs> what you would anticipate it being it's not quite bethlehem no yeah no no not <laughs> but, at all but it's you know it's funny about you know i think about obviously music for advent Mm -hmm. um and my more purist organist friends we always have conversations about you know 
The question is basically how much Advent do you give them? Right. Or yeah. how much Advent do you insist upon versus Christmas? Um, and I've I've ebbed and flowed mm-hmm. over the years. I've had a little more. I've been drawn a harder line some years than others <laughs> at different different churches I've served. Um, this year, I'll be honest, I feel like I'm like, just give them just like. Let's sing. You know, in the words of yeah. that great song, we all need a little Christmas. Yeah. I think that's I think that's why it ebbs and flows. Yeah, right. Because I'm trying like I try to respond to yeah what's happening, and I'm like, yes. I, I don't. Let's, can we start now? Like, let's just start yeah. now. I yeah, you probably wouldn't get resistance. <laughs> I right? just can't, you know. I know. I know. Well, hymns, carols, these are like time machines, right? They bring us back mm, in time. They are. And they connect they? us to very very special personal moments as well as moments in the world at large. And so we understand that some years we really want to call upon certain, you know, a certain reservoir of music because we need that. Tidings of comfort and joy. We need tidings of comfort and joy. They're great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of ride on that magic carpet of sound. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's hard to be sad when you've got like a fire in the fireplace and there's twinkly lights. Yeah. You know, know. like this sort of magical, like January is tough for me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because there isn't Christmas music. There isn't like the cheerful, you know, the the way that we can affect our spaces and make things beautiful and twinkly and magical. Yeah. It's just so fun and... Well, it's a good point about, yeah, once we get into January and February, those are harder months mm. for people. And um, But the thing about uh, the Christian, as the Christian seasons unfold, is that if Advent is the sowing of something really small mm. towards hope, mm. then January and February can be the nurture of that thing. Mm. You know, we start to cultivate it. So what was this new thing? What is this new thing that's starting to take shape in our lives and uh, what does what nourishment does it need? Oh, that's nice. Right as we get into January and February. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned to you, Leslie, that I heard uh, an interview recently with Nick Offerman, the comedian. I love him. <laughs> who's so a much. great, great he's presence. So great. And, and he was asked the question. Well, he's been talking. You know, he just wrote a book, "Where the Deer and the Antelope Play," which even a fantastic title for a book. That's good. But about the very simple relationship that he's developed, maybe not so simple relationship with nature during the pandemic and how relatively simple walks have meant so much to him. Mm -hmm. And he has said that, you know, if you're living in an environment, especially in the winter where you can't get out much, um, you can still use your windowsill Mm -hmm. to create some life, something that you can nurture. And it could be a small potted plant or an herb or whatever. And, um, but you just gently kind of keep track of it. I like that. You know, and I think you do that. That's the amazing thing. We do that even when the landscape is a lot more forbidding mm-hmm. and um, keeps things going. Yeah. You know? So what, so, so the idea of sowing those seeds for and then nourishing them is 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 such a, a caring thing. Mm. So how can we do that for ourselves as we sort of look forward over the next few months? Yeah. Well, I think it it, it, it comes back to that theme of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've noticed that in the um, conversations that I've been having this autumn with people who are thinking about what it means to live a compassionate life, this theme of self-compassion has risen right up to the surface. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. been very important. I think it, it's it's like a thread that's run through many of our conversations. For sure. And I get the sense that, um, you know, we, we kind of know it intellectually, 
But maybe we, we say, okay, yeah, I know what that means. But we've begun to understand that just rudimentary self-care, it's important, but it's not necessarily the same thing as self-compassion. Right. And I think to your question that as we get into the next couple of months and starting to get into winter and the season of Advent and beyond, self-compassion is really about giving ourselves time to listen mm. uh, to ourselves, not just to those around us. And it's also about giving ourselves the space to dream, mm. you know, towards the future. Christmas stories are so full of dreams. It's interesting, you know, that the, the Magi have a dream. Joseph has a dream. Mm -hmm. In a sense, even Mary uh, with her beautiful, you know, the language of the Magnificat, it's a dream of what the world looks like when there's justice. Mm -hmm. And um, so it can be a time for us to, to ask, what's, what's the vision of the world that we want to live towards? And then maybe during the season of Advent, we can start to identify some simple milestones that will help us move towards that that dream, mm -hmm. um, some changes that we could make in our lives, or maybe a deeper commitment to something related to peace, justice, or the environment. Yeah. Right. And, um, that can all be part of cultivating something, but it's also being, it's also good for ourselves. Right. I was reading recently in, a, um, a couple of different books about there's, there's a real interesting connection between a selfless act and a release of goodwill in ourselves, within ourselves, mm -hmm. that when we're that we're engaged in doing something good for someone else, it's also good for us at the same time. Mm. The body re responds to that physiologically, sure. and so those can be things we can think about as we approach these seasons of Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas, and beyond. I like the thing you you said a minute ago about breaking them down into milestones. Mm. This yeah. idea of like manageable bites or, yes. or, 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 you know, finding ways to mark whatever big project or big goal you have into something, um, tangible and simple and achievable. Yeah. makes me think of, uh, when, when I was in college, I had a couple of friends who used to hike the sections of the Appalachian trail. Mm -hmm. And when you're on the trail, you, you know, that out there is the goal, which is, is to get off the trail <laughs> and get into a hot shower. That sounds good. Yeah. After a week of, right. Yeah. Of hiking, there. right. And, uh, but I always noticed an interesting thing that would happen on the trail. You become aware of the milestones like, okay, we're at mile five now we're hmm. at mile 10 and the goal while important, if not essential, would sort of disappear. Oh, yeah. And the only thing that really mattered was taking one step in front of the next one on, on the trail. Right. And I noticed this a few years ago when Susan and I had a chance to walk through a very, very long section of the Cotswolds in England. Mm. It was just beautiful country. So we knew at the end of each day we were trying to get to a village where we would stay for the night. But that really isn't something I was thinking about during the actual hiking during the day. It was more like the milestone. Okay. We would know that we would have 14 miles to hike that day. Okay. So we're at mile, mile three. This feels good. Mile seven. This is good. And those things kept us going. So it was almost all about process. Mm -hmm. And then you just trusted that the goal would work itself out. Mm -hmm. And um, I really like that understanding. Yeah. And uh, I think Again, you know, we're coming into a season. It's all about a vision of peace on earth and goodwill among all people. Mm -hmm. And we're not there, 
right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what we experience right now. So what would be the milestones that would help us to get there? Would it be, you know, reading a certain book and then having conversations and being part of a study group, worshiping on a regular basis, those become the milestones. Mm-hmm. And like week by week, lo and behold, it adds up. Yeah. Right? I think there's also another element of that that I'm, is brought to my mind that perfection can mm. often um, get in the way of progress. Yeah. Oh, um, I am very much a person surprise nobody that, you know, like I make these huge goals for myself of like Mm -hmm. doing something every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I do it every day for like 10, 15 days. (laughs) And then I miss a day and -hmm. then I'm like, well, it's all over now. (laughs) That's the end of that. Yeah. That was the end of that. And then it's like, you know, which obviously is not ideal because you give up, right? If it's not perfect, yes, then you give up versus this idea. I've heard someone suggest 80%, mm. which is still a very large number, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. if you're 80% consistent at whatever it is you want to do, that's the goal. Mm. You know, it was, it was actually as a podcast I listened to this guy named Jordan Syatt, mm. who's like a, a trainer, personal trainer and nutrition guy. And he's so He's so realistic. Love and it. he's like, if you come to me with a month of every day, your nutrition is perfect. I don't want to see that. He's like, that means you're not having any fun, <laughs> which yeah. isn't sustainable. Give yourself some space. You know, like people ask him on Instagram, like, oh, I mean, what do you eat on, on vacation? He's like, I eat whatever I want on vacation. It's vacation. <laughs> have your vacation. <laughs> Step back away and take a little breather. Right. Like yeah. have that self-compassion and have that... This idea that we're always supposed to be perfect, and yeah. that completely cuts you off at the knees. Um, having these realistic goals, yeah, you know, you know, I certainly, um, I didn't really come from this culture, but I certainly developed the attitude throughout most of my life. You know, that it, it everything really did have to be perfect. Oh yeah, I, I came from that culture. I can tell you, <laughs> so it's real. One way or the other, right? We, we get there. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the last few years, uh, I had a friend actually, um, who said, you know, don't, don't let perfect be the enemy of good here, you know, don't. So, and I remember there was a book written on parenting some years ago by a man named Bruno Bettelheim, which was called a good enough parent. And a friend of mine, well, actually this, in this case, it was a woman in one of my congregations. She said she never read that book, Mm -hmm. but she kept it on her nightstand. And every morning (laughs) she would wake up and see a good enough parent. She thought I can do that. It didn't say be a perfect parent, be a good enough parent. Yeah. And I love the fact that she just, you know, she couldn't even bring herself to read this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's great. There's a similar title I've seen my friend has, which is called Bare Minimum Parenting, which I like, you know. So I, I, I think, I think there's a change that's happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, when it comes to things like goals, there's a, there's kind of a shrinking away from some of that language now, because part of the, part of the problem with goals is that we get there and then we think, okay, I did that now, now what, you know, I guess I better set up another goal. And, um, so I'm also hearing the word minimal used in relationship to habits, Mm. Right. So we're shifting a little bit away from goals and a little bit more in the direction of habits, but the same language is used. What is the minimal amount of thing I need to do 
to give this habit a little breathing life. Yeah. And I really like that, right? Yeah. So it's not even do this thing, oh yeah, well, I guess I'll read for an hour every day. No, I'm not going to read for an hour <laughs> every day because I'm going to set myself up for failure, right? Right, right. So you say, you know what? I'm just going to read for a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, then you read for a minute. Okay, look, I'm, I'm in. into it now. I'm I'm in. Might, I might as right. well stay. Right, right, right. And before you know it, maybe you're reading for 30 minutes. But it's this tininess. And that's, I'm so fascinated by that because I think that's a very important part of the Christian story. Hmm. That actually grand, amazing things happen from these tiny, tiny, tiny moments. And that's why the language of Christmas is really, it's like really overblown in a way. Mm -hmm. It's peace on earth, goodwill. It's the Magnificat. It's beautiful language. But it all, it's all happening because of the birth of one little baby mm. in this backwater country in the Roman Empire. So what, what could we do in our lives? One tiny little action, do something different to set things moving in a different direction. That's really intriguing to me. That's wonderful. I love that so much. And it's just, it creates, it's just a different, a total different approach yeah. to things. Um, I'm going to change topics real quick. Change topics. As we, as we wind down our episode, because if you can believe it, we are coming up on episode 100 wow. of Roundhill Radio, um, which is kind of amazing. Started with one. Started with one, <laughs> right? And we were kind of went, well, we'll see how this goes. That doesn't seem possible. I know. 100. 100. We began this in 2017 wow. and we did it kind of every two weeks. <laughs> Yeah. We gave ourselves lots kind of grace. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of, ish. Um, and so we're coming up on that. And we would love to get some of our audi- wonderful listeners and community involved in the 100th episode. So if you have any questions, oh, comments. be great. As I say to my, my choir, questions, comments, concerns, um, <laughs> please send them to podcast at roundhillcommunitychurch.org. And we will see if we can read them on our episode. Mm. We'd love to get you involved, hear some thoughts, any questions you might have for Ed. Um, I doubt you have any questions for me, but I'll try something. (laughs) 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 It will be, um, I believe, the second or third week in December. My goodness. So you've got a couple weeks. And uh, we thank you all so much for making this possible. We have so much fun doing this podcast. And so it wouldn't be possible without your participation without your listenership and support so thank you one and all this has been round hill radio brought to you by the friends and members of round hill community church